Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And welcome to another episode of Rider on the Road. This morning I'm talking to a beautiful lady from Florida and her name is Tina Dietz. Welcome, Tina. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Melinda. Ah, yes. Tina is the owner and founder of a business called Start Something Creative Biz Solutions. Now, unfortunately, that's only one of the things that Tina does. If we tried to get into her background, we'd be here for a week and a half. This is one amazingly interesting woman. So what I want to start with today, Tina, is a little video that I was just watching on Facebook. And for everyone who's listening, I've stuck it up on my Facebook Live. Uh, We'll go into the background later. But first of all, I want you to tell me all about uh, secret entrepreneurial confessions, please. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, um, one of the things about me is that uh, everything that I try to do, I really try to do it uh, to have as much fun with it as possible, simply because, I've, I, I, like you said, I've got this very checkered background and I'm always interested in doing new things. But uh, I did a Facebook Live uh, last week. It was actually my first one. And I threw myself into it and decided to uh, kind of stretch myself across my kitchen table and and uh, talk about secret entrepreneurial confessions because uh, so many of us who are out there are we we do the same kinds of things you know we have these little things that we do or don't do and we're kind of like ooh you know nobody knows but we all do the same thing so I I was just having some fun and connecting with my audience and I had no idea I was going to end up with uh, so many people laughing so hard at themselves and each other uh, about all these goofy things we do. It's uh, it's amazing. Some of the things that were on there this morning, and this is why we skipped straight to it. It was all about how we feel about our paychecks, our cubicle nightmares, uh, and uh, what was it? Dressing up in capri, capri pants, uh, and why so many officers have the colour grey. Now, I've been a bit of a nomad um, throughout my working career, and I've worked in an awful lot of jobs, probably not as many as you, Tina. But the word grey really got to me because that's that's one word that I noticed all through the place as well. Isn't it terrible? All the cubicles are gray. Why would you do that to people? That's disturbing. Yeah. Now, uh, Tina used to live in Costa Rica. She's from somewhere snowy. Um, I did write it down, but I've forgotten. And now she's in beautiful Florida, uh, thriving in her business, and she has a team working for her. Tina, would you like to take us very quickly through how you got to a position where you can move to whatever country you wish, take your team with you, and have a thriving business? Oh, sure. Uh, Well, one of the things that I do with folks and have for many years on the business coaching and strategy side of my business is we do these five-year strategic vision plans. And in a nutshell, what those are are very concise documents that connect this ideal day, this lifestyle, this outcomes that you really want to have five years in the future. And it connects the dots between that and where you are today in this very moment. And, um, the whys and wherefores of uh, 
why you would want to create something like that, I think we can talk about a little bit later. But basically what happened was, is I did one of these for myself and my family. And in that five-year goal, one of the things was that we wanted to live a mobile lifestyle for several reasons. We wanted to live lighter. We wanted to focus more on time with each other and having experiences rather than having stuff. And we wanted to, you know, bring our children up as global citizens and show them more of the world and have this sense of freedom and fun and play in our daily lives, not just when we went on vacation. Well, three years into that five-year plan, we had decided to sell our home and live simpler and and live lighter because, you know, homes are, can be a big drag on your time, energy, and money. And uh, my husband was working for corporate at the time. My business was already completely mobile. That's how I had designed it. And he got a call basically saying, hey, we know you work from home, but uh, we've lifted the restriction on where you can live. So we looked at each other and said, well, why don't we just move to Costa Rica? Because that was in our five-year goal. So we ended up being able to reach our goal two years earlier And because we had had this on a plan, um, I basically made one phone call to a contact I had made down in Costa Rica. And in 45 minutes, I was looking at apartments on the beach and uh, talking with schools uh, about my kids. And we had a glorious time. And I'm still involved in developing a community for entrepreneurs and thought leaders and coaches and trainers down there right now. Yeah, so you can see why I've got Tina on this morning, everybody. All those words are are wonderful words, uh, entrepreneurial, thought leaders, influencers, all the things that I picked up in my conference last week that we all want to know about uh, as indie writers and as indie businesses. Uh, Tina, I noticed you had on your website or on your beautiful website, uh, craft your vision, create your plan, build your systems and establish your tribe. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's kind of the steps we go through and the things that we need to be thinking about at a high level because we get so lost in the details or we get lost in what we call the tactics, the all the different ways we can get things done that we can lose sight of what the next large goal ought to be for us to have something that is sustainable. In our lives. And, I, you know, I, a lot of what I have brought to the table, having been an entrepreneur basically since birth uh, and growing up inside of a fourth generation entrepreneur family, is, um, you know, I want to make sure or at least attempt to impart things or different ways of doing things or getting things done in a creative way that allows people to feel uh both self-expressed in what they're doing, as well as avoiding some of the common mistakes and shortcutting the learning curve that that we always seem to be constantly in, in one way or another. Yeah, that learning curve is really, really interesting. Um, I've been a lifelong learner, and now I've entered into this new realm of audio, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, the learning curve never stops, does it? No, it doesn't. You just got to learn how to ride it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One of the things, or the main thing that um, Tina does is, uh, what is it? Business development, lifestyle design expert and coach. And I found a little quote somewhere on Tina's website there uh, from a lady. I had a consultation with Tina and I'm still reaping the benefits. Okay. So if I'm your new customer, what what are you going mm-hmm. to do with me? <laughs> <laughs> 
we can re- we have the technology we can rebuild you no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well I meeting people where they're at some of the key things even before I get on the phone with people many times I will send them uh, a series of questions so that I can get a sense of who you are, where you're at, and what's important to you. And you can really learn a lot by how somebody responds to an initial set of questions. Um, if there's resistance, if they're one word answers, or if they're many page answers to a single question, it gives a lot of insight into somebody's inner workings. And that's really important, especially when I'm looking at um, delving in with somebody on, on their business, because regardless of the type of program that I'm doing, whether we're publishing an audiobook or we're doing a full-on business coaching, you know, soup to nuts, um, it's, I need to feel a resonance with my client. I need to feel that at least on the level of our values, that we can have some synchronicity. Because if I'm coming in having these high, high values, important values of freedom and creativity and loyalty, which are three of my core values, and the person across from me is really looking at things from a strictly analytical dollar bill sense and isn't kind of looking at the mental, emotional, spiritual aspects of what they're doing, for me personally, that's going to be a disconnect because that's just kind of how I operate. It's a very holistic model of doing business because it's not just about the bottom line. It's about the lifestyle and how you want to be feeling while you're running your business so that you can continue to do it and not end up flat on your back in a hospital uh, after working 80-hour weeks for 10 years straight. Yeah, and that's a very interesting one because um, some of the stuff that I listen to online at the moment, it's talking about uh, authors uh, burning out, uh, just pushing themselves too hard for too long, and and not having anything left to give, uh, filling their filling their creative wells. So those things that you talk about, your values, your mental, emotional, and spiritual, I think they're becoming more topical now. Do you think? Yeah, it's always been well, in the circles that I run in. They've always been important, and I think that it's becoming more widely accepted because. Um, with all the tools that we have at hand, and, and we have so many, there is this temptation to do as much as we can as quickly as we can. And in some of the, the writing podcasts and some of the writer colleagues that I have, um, there seems to be many times a large value on how many words do you write in a day? What's your level of production? And there's something to be said for that if we look at the the habits and the processes of great writers or great artists throughout history, most of them had these really interesting routines or really interesting habits that kind of kept their creative juices flowing. Um, But at the same time, there comes a point where is it more important to be replenishing the creative juices and that well and the self-expression and all those things that go into it? Or is it more important to simply be pumping out words or content um, yeah, it's it's a question we all ha- end up having to ask ourselves at one time or another. Yeah, and I think there's a, or it seems to be easing off a little bit now, but a whole lot of um, young people and young entrepreneurial types jumped on the bandwagon and started talking about this churning out books in 30 days. And I constantly oh, yeah. rant about it here on, on my podcast about how you can't produce or 
can't produce at your creative best if you're taking a template, filling in a few boxes, calling it a book, putting it up there and becoming a multi-millionaire. Unfortunately, a lot of these young guys did. They did exactly that. And so now they're putting it out as a recipe for the rest of us. Uh, I just wonder if that can be a fulfilling, fulfilling life at the end of the day when it comes to creativity. No, I think that that is born out of um, immaturity and short-sightedness, and I would rant right along with you about that. I think to get people kind of over the hump, you know, there's that old saying about writing your first novel in the fiction world. It's like you have to almost get it over with just so you can get on to the real work or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And I think that if somebody wants to be a writer or be an author and write a book, especially a nonfiction book, it might be a great exercise for somebody to write a book in 30 days using a template simply to get it out of the way. But I don't know that I would actually recommend that anybody publish it, at least not without doing some kind of focus group or market research on it to make sure it's not crap. Yeah, well, I think look, it is it is wonderful, and it's great to see a lot more people um, picking up the entrepreneurial, I guess, lifestyle. And it's wonderful to see more and more people out there. Um, but to say that it's easy is <laughs> just an insanity. It is. It is. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna get me started on that. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. The yes. one thing we've been. Yeah, the one thing we really look forward to today is getting Tina started. Uh, as I said, I've watched a Facebook Live. There's something else about uh, singing in a New York subway. <laughs> You've done your homework. Yeah, I uh, have been known to break out into song at random in random places, and uh, one of those happened to be the the New York subway. There was no, there were very few people there. I think it was about two o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving, and uh, American Thanksgiving. And uh, there was no one really there, but uh, a friend of mine uh, had some choice commentary about that. I think I think it may have been, it was some show tunes, some some kind of show tunes. Who knows uh, what I burst into at the, at the time? But uh, yep, that's uh, something you can expect from me. And if you ever meet me at a conference, I have a tendency to organize these spontaneous karaoke events that I call transformational karaoke because I believe that karaoke is a transformational self-expression tool. <laughs> Ah, yes. And I just came back from a conference and not only were they out karaokeing at 3.30 in the morning, they were putting pictures up on our Facebook group. And I went, oh my gosh, and now you're going to turn up at eight o'clock at the conference and and be professional. But they had such a wonderful time. I'm guessing it's part of the... um, part of the process that you need to go to when you go to conferences. Uh, I think I stayed up till nine o'clock. That was my big concession. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll get better, I promise. I'll go to more conferences. It is one of those things. Sounds like my kind of conference. Now, one of the things that I noticed on your, your website was freedom, fun and play. Now, even talking to you for the last 15 minutes, I've noticed those words, you, you live and breathe those words. You've got husband, two, two beautiful daughters, I think they were. And, a daughter and a son. Okay. Yeah. One beautiful daughter. Sorry, son. That's <laughs> no, all right. He's going to kill me. You. Yeah, he's going to kill me. All right. Nah, uh, good. Now, you're obviously a high achiever as well. I noticed you call yourself an academic nerd. Uh, how do you fit it all in? Uh, you know, I don't. It, it's it. You can't possibly fit it all in at the same time. It's It's got to be about pacing. And especially as, you know, I'm in this space of being over 40 now um, and have been there for a while, uh, you know, your energy does change. You become, I found more and more as I have 
grown and matured, we'll use matured instead of aged there strategically, uh, that I have a higher need for downtime, for processing time, for even alone time. And I'm a huge extrovert. And I think that's just part of the process. You know, we, we grow as we grow. It's just, we, and we don't even necessarily know what's going to happen. And sometimes I resist it, but when I surrender to it and I actually give myself an experiment, I'm a big experimenter with what might work, what I might change, how I might shift things around, then that, you know, creates more freedom and more uh, and higher performance as well. But having a team is extremely important. Having um, a flexible schedule for me is very important. And, um, you know, having structures around my self-care is very important as well, which could always be better and I'm always tweaking. Yeah, self-care, I love that one. I translate mm-hmm. that to go to the beach more often. Uh, just not happening at the moment, unfortunately. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, you talk about surrounding yourself with a team. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about who you've got, or not people, but the kind of people you you bring on board to support you in your business? Because I know as indie writers, we tend to think we can do it all, but it's just impossible. Yeah, and I've and I've been in that rabbit hole many times myself, thinking I could do it all, and 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 it's us people who are who are smart. Those of us who are smart, who can are very capable, who can handle a lot, and we go, oh, I should just do it myself. You come to a point where it's just not a good idea. Even though we can do it, we don't necessarily, we shouldn't necessarily be doing it ourselves. One, because it's a huge energetic drain that we need to be putting into those high priority creative endeavors into actually getting the work out. And then uh, I have built a team very slowly because I had some experiences that were incredibly not satisfying with trying to hire agencies or working with um, people who said they could deliver who were very quote-unquote high level and what I found out is that I was really paying for their name or really paying for their brand I wasn't actually paying for the work and some people have a high need to do that they need they feel a need to be with a guru quote unquote guru level person uh, in order to feel like they're doing something worthwhile I on the other hand coming from family business and coming from uh, more of a let's get this done attitude prefer to work mostly with uh, freelancers or small companies. And what I tend to do to bring somebody on board is to hire folks for small tasks, see how we work together, and um, and then kind of let it grow from there. Because, because I am so um, highly tuned to relationships, relationships are so important to me. Uh, I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm kind of like an Italian grandmother in training, you know, I'm just kind of, that that's my personality, that I have to have that relationship. And to me, communications being returned quickly, people asking good questions, and then retaining that information, people being proactive in what they're doing. And uh, those things are all really important to me. So it takes a time. You do have to filter through people. But that's why having people do smaller tasks and then expanding their responsibilities works way better than saying, hey, I want you to run all of this. Because that usually means that we're trying to abdicate responsibility for something by shoving it off onto someone else who should, quote unquote, know what they're doing. And that usually will bite you in the butt every time. 
Yeah, and and starting small. Uh, I, I've got myself a someone who um, transcribes my my podcast notes, and I notice with um, I guess some some of the newer podcasters, or, or I noticed it a bit at the conference as well. People are really reluctant to transcribe those podcast notes, and I know it's only a very little part of what you're talking about. Uh, but I go through those things with a fine tooth comb, and it helps me develop my story. Like I had Park Howe on here the other week, and we talk about the story arc of everything that we do. And even as a podcaster, we have to develop that story without checking the small details, starting small, getting people in to help us. It just would not be possible. Yes, exactly. And you are just so brilliant for utilizing those transcriptions because. Most folks think that transcriptions are generally only good for putting on their website so they get really good search engine optimization. But you're doing exactly the right thing. You're taking that and moving it and twisting it and pulling things out. And you can have a endless wealth of media mentions or social media posts or articles pulled from a single transcription transcription if you really are willing to take the time to do it yeah and tina they're they're, they're in full they're therein is where i fall down because i still didn't get that right therein is where i fall down <laughs> uh because <laughs> english teacher uh uh because it's a time thing uh and i'm very very big into exclusives here on my little show and my exclusive is that i'm developing developing a little booklet for podcasters uh, because we hear a lot about audio, we hear a lot about sound and we hear a a lot about the technical stuff but we don't hear a whole lot about the story and I notice in every transcription that I um, go through I cross out all my ums, I cross out all my years, I cross out all my lousy transitions, I cross out my dumb questions and I look at a clean script and I think gee I wish I'd done that in the first place and I think we can learn a lot and so I'm just putting together a little how-to booklet for, for all podcasters because I know it's a huge worry for us about how long should a podcast go what should we ask and all those sorts of things have you noticed that in in your business world uh the worry part or the yeah the worry the about detail how, part yeah the detail oh, yeah worry. yeah people just oh, aren't yeah. quite sure once they get behind that mic uh what, what they should do yeah, I was just actually talking with um, someone yesterday. It was, it was kind of an interesting conversation because she asked me to be on her show, which hadn't launched yet. And she's an absolute dear. She's such an expert in what she does. She's lovely. But she had, this is her first podcast. And I was kind of taken aback at her workflow for the podcast. And we had some technical difficulties. So we finally said, you know what, why don't we just have a connection call right now and we'll record the interview another time. And in the course of the conversation, what I found out is that she had been basically uh, swindled out of a number of thousands of dollars by someone claiming to be an expert to show her what to do on podcasting. And because she didn't have another resource and she didn't, this person presented themselves so well, they had decided to work with this, this person. And um, now it's, it's created some difficulty for them. So if something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. And we get very kind of jacked up about this idea that we have to be making a certain amount of money or we have to be making, getting a certain number of downloads or we have to be writing a certain number of words by a certain time. And that kind of, it's not fatalistic, I'll call it finalistic, finalistic thinking, I just made a new word, um, is where 
the fear is. And when we make decisions out of fear, we tend to make decisions we wouldn't normally make if we were in a space of creativity and freedom or fun planes. And uh, that that is where the decision making and our attitude when we're making decisions becomes so important. Yeah, and we talk about when you're talking about the lady uh, about why we podcast and relationships and all those kinds of things. You look if you make a lot of money out of podcasting, you're a famous person. But I feel it's more about our relationships uh, and and getting yourself out there, putting yourself out there, and leveraging your podcast and your audio and all the other things that you do to to build your brand. I agree. Well, that's the end I of that conversation. Yeah. Just, <laughs> there you go. There, that, that's it. That, that's the real value in it. And, you know, I, I think that one of the things I love about your show in particular, Melinda, is that you really get that the show is your show. This is your platform to talk about the things that interest you. And then you can bring on other people to support that. This is your house. And so, you know, for myself as a guest, I feel very honored to be brought into the conversation. And my job is to actually add to the conversation you have already started. Yeah, and I think that's interesting as well, Tina, because, um, yeah, it's my party and I do what I want to. Uh, but that, that sort of comes, I think, from being a little bit older uh, and sitting back and just plucking off, as you said, the people that I want to play with in my paddock today. Uh, and I had Park Howe on. And, look, he is just the most amazing man and I'm trying to um, link up with him here in Australia for a conference. Uh, and the thing that struck me most and first and last and everywhere in between is he completely took over my podcast show, and I said to him, "Pal, can I have Pal, can I have my podcast show back, please?" Um, because he's just an amazing yeah. man, and he's just such an amazing raconteur. I found myself sitting back in my chair and listening. Yep, and that can happen too. And sometimes, you know, that that's fine because you end up with something amazing, and then you know, they just run with it. Um, but so many people think as hosts that it's all about the guest, and they don't make it theirs. And make it their unique voice and their unique self-expression um, because people really come for the topic, but they stay for the host. Yeah, and that's I, – I go through little phases where I go, oh, I talk too long, I chat too long, I prattle too long. And I thought, well, people nah. can come and go as they want. You know, that's their choice. Exactly. Um, and with your Facebook Live, I noticed it went for 20 minutes. Now I do my Facebook Lives and I try to keep them very, very brief, um, especially when I'm, you know um, – advertising my podcast but a couple of times there I've just started chatting I've sat in my chair and I had a lovely chat and I thought I quite like this and it's like having a conversation and if people don't want to listen they don't have to but people always listen um, people always come back later and talk to you uh, provided you're one of them I, and that's one of the biggest things that came out in the podcast and I'm, I guess I'm talking about this everybody who's listening because we start our windy businesses for the freedom and the fun but if we lose ourselves in the transition then we may as well go back to the gray cubicles no <laughs> yeah. yeah uh okay the 80 20 rule tell us tell us what your definition of the 80 20 rule is because i keep getting bogged down in the 80 percent oh yeah we all do at one time or another so the 80 20 rule is uh also called pareto's principle and it was basically a a rule of economics that was developed i believe by uh, an italian dude named pareto um and it basically says that 80 percent of your results 
come from 20% of your efforts. And this can be applied across the board to business, to agriculture, to pretty much anything. And so the idea is that if we can identify that 20% that gives us the most benefits or most results, depending on what we're looking at, then we should focus our efforts on duplicating that 20% and reducing or eliminating those things in the 80%. So this it becomes very obvious when we look at things like meetings. Um, in the beginning of my business, as I was building a local coaching practice or regional coaching practice, I was spending a lot of time in coffee houses having meetings with people after networking events. And as much as I love coffee and I love hanging out with people, it was an enormous amount of time and running around to do that. And so, and it wasn't, it was producing a certain number of results, but not what was producing me the most results. The, what was producing me the most results is still what produces me the most results today, which is uh, speaking engagements of various kinds, whether it's online or on a stage. And then having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, uh, not in a coffee shop, but over the phone, uh, because I do work internationally. Well, as soon as I started getting real with people and saying, hey, I would love to meet you for coffee, but we're both really busy people. And wouldn't it be nice if we either used Skype or just grabbed a phone call and just pretended that we were face-to-face? -face? Would that be adequate for you? And a lot of people were relieved, as relieved as I was, to not have to go get yet another cup of coffee at yet another coffee house and spend the time going to and from. And it, it just created a lot more time freedom to, to shift that. And that's one of the reasons why I do have an online business, even though I, I probably travel every other month. Yeah, and as indie authors, I think um, you're 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 the ultimate ex extrovert, and you talk about your favourite times are when you're on stage and when you're talking and when you're you're with people. As indies, a lot of us, our favourite time is being in our offices and our studies and hiding away. So it's finding that balance. I would suggest that um, we spend far more time than we actually need to on the business side of things because we're not as confident at that as we are at the writing side of things. So as you said, get things. Done done as, as efficiently as you can, stop racing around the world doing things you think you should be doing and and it's okay to do things over the phone nowadays because that, that seems to be the most efficient way of doing it. Oh, absolutely. And especially, you know, for folks who are creative entrepreneurs who are writers and, and all of that, you know, again, we can kind of get stuck in the technology of things when really what we need most are relationships. And the more we build relationships and nurture those relationships, the more those relationships are then available to us at our fingertips when, for example, we are launching a new book. And, um, you know, because it's those people in that word of mouth, which is the thing you can never replace, that make your marketing and make your, your book promotion that much easier and that much uh, more satisfying at the same time. Yeah, and if that's the one takeaway that I've taken away from this whole last few months, Tina, is relationship building. I've, I've met and kept some wonderful friends in this in the last few months. And plus, from a business perspective, there's mentors and people that I can that I can contact and I think I count you as one of those now. If I'm stuck, I can call you and say, help, uh, something's gone pear-shaped here. Um, you used a wonderful expression earlier on that I cut it down and I can't find what you are. Oh, soup to nuts. 
I've got to write that up on the board when That's I go to That's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, yeah, soup to nuts. I love it. All right. One of the things you have on your website, um, front and centre on one of your websites, was worry is a misuse of imagination. Oh, it's my Facebook profile picture. Yes. yes. One of them. Right. My cover photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about that because I know worry and fear and all those kinds of things is something that paralyzes. Uh, but obviously it's not a problem for you and half the time it's not a problem for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Actually, it's it's kind of the opposite. It's something that I've spent a great deal of time around uh, be- and, and training around because I actually uh, was diagnosed a number of years ago with post-traumatic stress disorder and an anxiety disorder. So as much as I have this like lightness and sense of humor and all these other things, what you're seeing is the result of uh, many hours, many years, and many thousands of dollars of work. (laughs) Because otherwise, I was going to end up in a very dark place, and I just was not willing to live there for the rest of my life. And so um, a lot of the time that I took in my uh, 20s and and even my early 30s, even today, Rather than growing a career and focusing on money, I spent a lot of time focusing on my personal development and on healing. And that was the journey I needed to be on so that I could grow myself into a place where I had the ability to go out and help as many people as possible. So that's what I decided my purpose was and and took on doing. So that reminder of worry is a misuse of imagination reminds me as much as anybody else who sees it that um, I could be using my inner resources for other things rather than worrying. So it's it's actually a reminder uh, and a display to help me change tracks when I need to. Yeah. And isn't it amazing, everybody, we listen to this beautiful woman speak. She's obviously articulate, intelligent, all the things that I adore. She's out there. She's extroverted. She's giving us everything that we need and give, give, give. And then underneath... You, you discover that you're as real as the rest of us, Tina, that, that mm-hmm. you have suffered that major trauma um, and that it is very easy to tip from despair um, to success. So everyone yeah. out there, if you're looking at other people and thinking, wow, I wish I could be like them, you'll most likely find that perhaps you are underneath. Oh, yeah, we're so much the same. And that's uh, offering each other compassion is, I think, one of the greatest gifts we can give each other and ourselves. Yeah. And and so one of the things that I've been um, following on my podcast and it's working fairly well is that I have everybody, as you said, I just uh, think, what do I what am I interested in? Where, where do I want to go with this? And quite often people will come with me because it's not that tried and true track of churning out the same old stuff time after time. And I find more and more, and I did it with you today and I feel a bit guilty about it, I skip over all the background stuff um, because it seems to be this formulaic thing. Okay, let's start at the beginning, go to the middle and get to the end. But we know as storytellers, the most interesting part is the here and now and, yeah. and the action scenes. And, and you've shown me that today, Tina, with some of the conversation we had right back at the beginning of our, our chat. And everyone, I'll, I'll get hold of those um, transcription notes and I'll highlight the story arc of this because the most exciting thing about Tina is that she sings <laughs> in American subways and that she she does Facebook lives lying flat on tables. Um, and we know that you're an amazing woman because it just comes out in your talk and your business advice is filtered all through this story. Uh, and I think that's that's a lesson that we can all take away.
away, start in the middle of the action. But I've got one more thing, and I've got a thousand more things actually. Um, the energy of transition. You've obviously made some changes in your life and you go from here, there and backwards again. Tell us about that energy of transition. It's very powerful. It's it's really been a theme throughout my entire life and, and through a lot of the work that I've done. I began my career coming out of school actually as a therapist specializing in working with teenagers. And um, my particular favorite was working with international populations. Um, and one of the reasons I was so attracted to that wonderful group of humans is that they are in incredible amounts of transition. Just gobs of it, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, it just goes on and on. And so for me, taking a look at that potential energy, you know, that, that raw being, you know, that's just all, all there is really powerful. It's like the clay. Transition is like the clay that we can use to mold what's next for us. So there's a lot of juiciness in there. The hazard, of course, is that transition can um, feel like it's derailing us from one one place to another or actually interrupting energy rather than adding to the creative energy of it. So sometimes I think of it, and when we're in a place of transition, uh, and I actually just went through this recently myself, uh, I described it to, uh, I think it was my chiropractor at the time, is I feel like I'm molting, like a bird, right? So like a snake sheds its skin or like a bird sheds its feathers. They go through this period that just feels and quite honestly looks ugly. But it's a necessary process that requires extra nurturing for us extra compassion from us. Uh, and I remember at one point even looking up uh, what is the proper care and feeding for a molting bird. And the description of that looked like the perfect recipe for me to take care of myself. So I kind of decided to take that on. And, and it also brought some humor to the situation, which I always particularly find helpful. So that is the thing about transition is that it doesn't necessarily look good. It doesn't necessarily feel good. But that's why we need these visions that we need to be putting into place that are a little further out into the future so that we can see, okay, I can see where this would be worth it to go through it so that you can stay the course through the awkward bits. Yeah, and change does does seem awkward at times, I've, I've got mm -hmm. to admit. Uh, my daughters and I have just gone through this amazing change. And it's very, very nice you talk about feeding and nurturing as, as you lose your feathers and, and rebuild yourself. But coming out the end of that transition is a really exciting time. Mm -hmm. Oh, very exciting. Yeah. And it opens up to new opportunities, I think. And that's, I guess that's where you come in with your business, helping people build. Once they've, once they've made the decision, they, they're going to pivot or they're going to um, go through a transition period and they're going to come out the other side. That's where you step in with your crafting, your vision, creating your plan, building your systems and establishing your tribe and, and helping people grow. So I'm guessing you, you work with all pe people from all walks of life. Do you come across a lot of middle-aged women? Oh, well, I used to be middle-aged. I've passed that now. Uh, <laughs> coming out the other side of that one. Uh, who, who find themselves in a situation where they go, wow, I can actually nurture my creative self now. Tina, what am I going to do with that? 
to a certain extent yes um i am actually been finding that women are coming to this earlier and earlier so i've have this kind of even split of women who are at the place where you were just saying um their their children have either launched or they have um you know they're into that teenage side of things if they're if they are moms, most of them happen to be, uh, or they are in their early 30s or just about to turn 30 and in this place of transition where they've kind of come to this place where it's like, wait a minute, this is not my life. This is not what I said I was going to do. This is not how I wanted to feel. I'm not willing to continue going on like this. I need something else. So it's it's a two very distinct places that I tend to find that women in particular um, are attracted to this type of work to go through this transition. And a lot, many times I work with folks who are um, about to transition. They know they're going to transition and they're not exactly sure what that path would be. And they have this deep need to have some sort of internal safety about that. And that is what the five-year strategic vision plan actually creates, both neurologically as well as strategically, is the sense of, okay, I can see how this fits together now. Now my brain can actually calm down enough to take action without feeling like I'm going to fly apart at the seams. Yeah, and I love that one. Uh, five-year strategic plan, everybody. Watch this space. Uh, I will think about it. Uh, it's it's beyond my imagination, to be honest. Uh, starting the podcast, getting my writing business back up and running, uh, having the caravan and travelling around Australia. There are so many wonderful things. Uh, for everyone out there, if you're thinking of making a change and you're thinking of getting out there and doing it, uh, even I think you talked, Tina, earlier about how you guys stripped down that you lived the mobile life and you got rid of a lot of your material possessions. It's a little, um, I guess, hobby horse of mine. I encourage every one of us to get out there and do it um, but fear does stop an awful lot of people Tina oh yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah and I'm, I'm guessing from your standpoint you have had your moments of doubt when you've been uh, taking your children from one spot to another but I'm guessing you don't regret it no, not at all. And, you know, it so much does depend on your own personality and the personality and needs of your kids as well. If our children had been completely freaked out about the situation, we probably wouldn't have done it. Um, I, I wouldn't have forced the issue with them, but we were very excited about it. We had them, you know, we kind of did the things that we do with them, which is, you know, let's go online and look up things about Costa Rica and what are the things we want to see. And we found some level books that they were, you know, at the level they were at reading wise at the time. And, um, and they got very excited about it. So it was a good adventure for them. And um, very, and they didn't, my kids just kind of slid right into it. It never ceases to amaze me um, how quickly they just kind of integrated and it was just their reality. This is what they were doing. And the other families we met along the way had very similar experiences. There's ups and downs, of course. It's parenting, you know. <laughs> There's always ups and downs. But uh, we um, kind of have this global network now of, of folks and families in different countries and that's a really wonderful thing to be able to draw on and also for our kids to have met and develop relationships with kids from different walks of life. Yeah, I remember my girls um, 
when we were traveling around the place, they'd get to a new school and the first thing they'd say to their new friends is, wow, how many schools have you been to? And the kids would just look at them in amazement. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> and in the end, Sam and my daughters um, worked out, mummy, doesn't everybody live like us? I said, well, actually, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I now go, I'll go upstairs and tell them they're actually part of a global network. Uh, yeah, and one of the things with my online teenage novel writers course is that I'm launching this week is I want to tap into your global network and I want to say to your young um, people out there, come aboard with us, write your novels, be entrepreneurial uh, because I know there are there are kids out there who would thrive on that very experience and with Facebook Live and Skype and everything now, I can actually uh, work with my kids all over the world, just as you said. And I'm so glad because it's so brilliant and so needed for mm. those young people to have that creative uh, mentoring. Yeah, I might have to speak to you about, um, I might have to have a, a one, one-on-one one consultation where you can help me market this thing. I'm thinking, how am I going to get word out there? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing a Facebook Live course, everybody. Not Facebook Live, Facebook advertising with um, Mark Dawson. I am going to open up the modules and I am going to work out how to advertise this course. But Tina, if you could just put a message out to your global network and say, look, go and buy Mel's course so she doesn't have to go to school anymore. That would be great. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Um, Okay, finishing off now because I've got to get ready for school. Uh, the start of something movement. That's my final question for you. It's got me intrigued. Oh, the start something movement. You know, I had said I never like to have a small vision. It's just kind of how I'm wired. And my um, original vision for when I was developing uh how I wanted to leave the world, the legacy I wanted to leave, because I had started a number of businesses prior to becoming a coach and had some success, but I would get bored and I would start to lose energy around it. And I had a wonderful mentor who said that, Tina, if you really want to have something that um, gets you what you want, gets you out of bed in the morning, you need to create something that's going to be big enough that you can't possibly do it all yourself. And you might not be able to finish in your lifetime. You need to create at that level. And so I was really irritated by that answer. And But then a couple of weeks later, I kind of woke up from a, a half-waking dream where I had this vision of people out in the world working and being very satisfied in what they did and very fulfilled in their contribution and using their unique gifts to their to the max and then bringing that home to their families. Yeah. And I woke up with these tears on my cheeks thinking, my God, that would change the planet. That would just, that would completely change the planet. If children grew up inside of this context that you can do what you love and the money will follow, not as a concept, but as their daily reality that they were being demonstrated. And that is where my coaching practice was born and this mission that I had of 10,000 thriving businesses, which then evolved into this idea of the start something movement, which is basically the idea that all of us who are creative and out to leave the world a better place, make our mark and live well, are connected by this common idea and we are the thimblefuls of water that working together really create a tsunami of change. Yeah. Uh, that is that is 
beautifully said. I love that, that tsunami of change, working together. Uh, you're, you're an inspirational woman. I, I, I love talking to you. I certainly didn't know what to expect. Tina and I have, have had um, made... We've been trying to get this uh, chat together for a while now. <laughs> I just didn't expect to to be as moved as I am by what you say. Uh, look, thank you. I, I really appreciate it from my perspective and everybody out there. I'm sure you've listened uh, just as avidly as I have. The start of something movement. Uh, I wish we had have put that at the forefront of our, of our podcast uh, to make sure that everybody hears it. Uh, thank you, Tina. I appreciate everything that you've um, chatted with me about today. There's so much more, everybody. There's a, I've been humming and harring with it to bring in the whole uh, audio book thing and the digital revolution and talking about how uh, we audio books are just taking over the world and, and audio, I guess, sound. Uh, we've run out of time, Tina, as I knew that we would, so I, I stayed away from that topic altogether. But Tina is also a voice artist and a voiceover artist. She has her own audio business, I think. Is that correct? I, I actually uh, work with nonfiction authors to get their audiobooks created and published internationally. Yeah, now we want to, we want to talk about that another time. Yeah. Getting our nonfiction books uh, audio recorded and out there internationally. This woman is now at the top of my networking and mentoring um, <laughs> list. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not actually going to let you go Woo, for the next 10 today. hours. <laughs> yeah, Melinda Hammond, Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> the centre of my own universe. Tina, thank you very much. Um, I'm sure we'll talk again and hopefully it'll be about those non-fiction books um, fly, flying out into the world um, with, our, with our newly um, transitioned... Uh, we can't be a molting bird anymore. We've got to be a bird with lots of colourful feathers. Have you got any suggestions? <laughs> Is that a trick question? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking something exotic. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, all I can think of is... Um, birds of paradise, yes. Birds, birds of paradise, paradise. Yeah, yes. I'm thinking Birds of paradise. <laughs> I'm thinking of Dumbledore's... Um, what is that? Oh, Phoenix. the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought that's not a appropriate. Fox. We're adults. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, now, your call to action and where we can find you. You know, if you Google Tina Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, you will find me. I am there. Uh, my main website is Start Something Creative Biz Solutions, which is a really long URL. So if you want something snappy to remember easily, you can just go to the thestartsomethingshow.com. And that'll be a great place for us to connect. And if you are interested in the audiobooks, you can go directly to launchyouraudiobook.com and download an audiobook production checklist that I have there for you that could get you started on that conversation. Either way, I look forward to connecting with everyone. And Melinda, you are a fabulous host. Thank you for asking such awesome questions. I really appreciate starting in the middle. I do worry about that. All right, thank you. And it's uh, see you next time from Rider on the Road and Tina Dietz. Bye for now.